Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. What do you do with a gift that you don't want? Regift it. Yeah, there you go. Hopefully you wait until you are invited to a white elephant party. Have you ever been to a white elephant gift party? Yeah. Do you know that there's a website, a white elephant gift rules that where you can go and learn all? You don't need to go to it now, Gary. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you can go to learn all the rules on, on how to do a white elephant gift and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But do you know the, do you know the origin of the whole white elephant gift exchange? I'm going to tell you. It started in Thailand, actually before Thailand, yeah, when, it was, when it was Siam. And elephants, elephants, have you ever seen an elephant? Is there, have you, I've ridden on an elephant. My, when my daughter was in India, we went, uh, Rick and I went, and we rode elephants. Uh, uh, they're massive creatures, massive creatures. And, uh, uh, but, but over in Thailand, uh, a white elephant is, is considered sacred. And so elephants are beasts of burden, but a white elephant can do no work because it is a sacred beast. Now, the king came upon this great idea that if there was someone in his kingdom that he didn't like or had displeased him, that he would gift them with a white elephant. Do you have any idea what it costs to maintain an elephant? They are not cheap pets. So the king would give someone a white elephant. It was sacred. It could not work. It was a gift from the king. You don't want to displease the king. And so basically, you would go bankrupt. You would come to financial ruin because you were the recipient of a white elephant gift. That's, that's where it came from. Now, hopefully you don't get many white elephant gifts. Hopefully you get good gifts. And the good news is that the scripture tells us that God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. God will never... Give us a white elephant gift. Now, if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to open them. We're in the book of James. We're still in the first chapter of the book of James. And, uh, uh, and, and James is, uh, uh, basically, as we talked about last week, James, James is our midterm exams. As we read the book of James, it is a very practical book. Uh, it is a very focused book. It talks about what a Christian life should look like. What a Christian life should look like. Being saved is wonderful. Uh, 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 having our sins forgiven is a glorious thing. Knowing that we have been redeemed through uh, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, those are all things that we should celebrate. But the question, after we have received this incredible gift, the best gift that God could give to us, so what? What do we do with that gift? How do we then live our lives? 
If we are in a relationship with God, our lives ought to reflect that in some way. And last week, we looked at this, this section in chapter 1 where, where James tells us to consider it all joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So the joy is not in the trial or the testing itself. It is in the result of that trial or testing. It is in the transformation of our lives, the the restoration of the likeness of God within us so that we can live that abundant life. And if we're struggling with all of this, James tells us to ask God for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom that we might be able to discern what's going on in our lives so that we don't get bogged down, so that we don't get discouraged, so that we don't become overwhelmed with our external circumstances that we forget who we are in Christ. So we pick up the narrative, the letter, in this first chapter. Uh, I'll be reading verses 12 through 18. Hear the word of the Lord. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because when this one has stood the test, he or she will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his or her own evil desire, he or she is dragged away and enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits, of all he created. What a great passage. What a great passage. When you, when you, think, of, when you think of the Beatitudes, where, where, where does your mind go? Mind goes to the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, they're called the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. We know those, we know those blessings, but... Are you aware, I don't know if you've really thought about it, but there are beatitudes outside of those that are there in in Matthew. In fact, the very first verse that I read to you today, verse 12, uh, is a beatitude. How do we know it's a beatitude? Because it starts with the word blessed is. What does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean to be one who is blessed? What does it mean to receive that blessing from God? 
What is Jesus after when he, when he recites the Beatitudes to the people who are in the crowds? For them, that was the best news possible that they could have heard. Blessed are the poor in spirit because theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they will be satisfied. This was great news for them. Because for their entire lives, they had been beaten down by the religious leaders of the day as not measuring up. And the fact that they hadn't measured up to God's standard was why they were sick and poor and disenfranchised. And if they would only get their lives together, then maybe the Messiah would come. Jesus said, that's the wrong message. That's not what I want you to hear. I want you to know that you are loved, even in the midst of your trials and your challenges. I want you to know that you are created in the image of God and that you have value and that you have worth far beyond your external circumstances. I want you to be able to rest in the knowledge that you are beloved by God. And I think that's what it means to receive a beatitude, to be blessed. It's, it's, not, it's not, you know, happiness. You know, there was a book not too long ago, well, I guess it was years ago now, they, it called the Be Happy Attitudes instead of the Beatitudes. Happiness is fleeting. It comes and it goes. I, I, I think what we're after here is something that is much, much deeper. And, it, and, and dare I say it is a, is a contentment in knowing that we are loved, in knowing that we are valued for who we are as created in the image of God, not because of what we can do, not because of what we accumulate, not because of our, our strength, our brain, our good looks. Few of us are endowed with all those things. <clears throat> Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because when he or she has stood the test, he or she will receive the crown of life that God has promised those who love him. The crown of life. Do you know in the, in the, uh, in the Bible, uh, it, it talks about five different crowns. I'm not going to tell you what they are. Because you guys have Bibles. You, most of you have the internet. If you want to know what those five crowns are, then I would encourage you to do a little bit of your own studying. Studying the Word of God is one of the spiritual disciplines that draws us closer. You, you know, you don't get everything on Sunday morning. So if you want to know what those other four crowns are, go figure it out. And I say that with Christian love in my heart. But I do want to talk about the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because when that person has stood, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised those who love him. And, and when I read that, when I think about what, what is this crown of life that he's talking about, my mind jumps to the gospel of John. In chapter 10, verse 10, uh, Jesus says, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. What does abundant life look like in your life? And, and, and 
And are you experiencing the fullness of life that Jesus came to offer? This is not, this particular crown is not some future promise. This is not, you, you can't read this and say that, that, that it, when you stood the test, you, know, you will receive the crown of life, uh, a, pair of, a pair of wings and a harp so that you can sit on cloud nine for eternity and, and just have a great time. No, 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 no. This is here and now. The crown of life is the abundant life that Jesus talks about. The crown of life is the result of a transformed life, a redeemed life, a restored life that is experiencing and, 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 and demonstrating to others nothing less than the fruit of the Spirit. And you've heard me quote this so many times. You all know the fruit of the Spirit. And if you don't, this is a great verse to memorize. Oh, gee, memorization is another one of those spiritual disciplines that aids in the transformation of our lives. If you want to know what the fruit of the Spirit is, not the gifts of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit, go to Galatians 5, 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Who doesn't want those things in their lives? Those are the things that we cultivate as we engage in the spiritual disciplines. It is the spiritual disciplines that help us consider it pure joy whenever we encounter various trials, not, not because you know, we're somehow twisted and we want to go through hard things, no, but we know that once we get to the other side of those hard things, our faith will be more mature. That's what it means to receive the crown of life, to live into God's kingdom here and now. And we've talked about that before. We have so many uh, intersecting kingdoms in our lives. We have, we have a, uh, uh, we, we have a <laughs> office politics. There's a kingdom at work, and there's a pecking order. There's a, there's a, there's a kingdom in the community and, and in fact, here in Coronado, we have many little kingdoms in the community. I mean, there's the, there's the yacht club and the tennis club and the friends of the library and, and the garden club and uh, all of these things. And, and, and there are also individual worshiping communities. You know, we, there's, and there's some overlap in all of this, you know, there, uh, within that. There's, you know, there's the Methodists and the Presbyterians and the Baptists and the Episcopalians and the Catholic, Catholics and the Lutherans and the... Uh, 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 Calvary Chapel over there, and, uh, and and some others as well, and and all of these all of these kingdoms intersect one another, and and, and you got to figure, okay, which kingdom am I operating in with this group of friends or whatnot? But over all of that is the kingdom of God, and just like you have a choice about how you're going to act when you're in any one of those smaller kingdoms, there's also a way we need to act, recognizing that we are ambassadors for God as we live in His kingdom here on earth. In the world, but not of the world. You've heard that. In the world, but not of the world. That's kingdom living. That's walking around with this, with this crown of life, abundant life that God promises us. <laughs> then verse, uh, verse 13, when tempted, when tempted, 
No one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Now, in the, in the verse before that, uh, in verse 12, it talked about blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because when that person has stood the test, and now we're talking about temptations, and God does not tempt, but God tests. What's the difference? We talked a little bit about this last week when I said that I thought that the, that the, the things that come into our lives, the challenges that we face, can be categorized in, in one of three different areas. Uh, in, number one, it, 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 it is something from God that is challenging us to grow in our faith, you know, all right, all right, David, I've, I've prepared you for this. I want to see how well you do. It's kind of like, you know, training for the Olympics. And then you go to the Olympics and you, and you run the gauntlet to see how well you do. You prepared for this. How well are you doing? And we want to pass that test because that's the way we can honor and glorify God. Now, number two, that, that it might come from the devil. I do believe that there's an adversary out there that wants to do everything possible to divide and split us all up. Uh, and if that's the source of the, of, the, of the trial or the testing that I'm facing right now, I just don't want to let him win. And then, and then probably the largest category of trials and, and, uh, and testing and whatnot that come into my life is, is my own stupidity. And I think that's what James is addressing right here. Now, what's the difference between a test an attempt. What's the difference? Sin. Well, sin. There, there we go. That, 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 that. Thank you. That's, uh, that's, that's cutting right to the chase. Uh, I, I would say that a, that a, that a temptation results in, 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 in something that's going to violate God's moral order, the moral principles that He has given to us within which we thrive. A, a, a test is something that is going to strengthen us, and it can come in all different sorts of form. But uh, if, it's, if it's not, if, if something is external, it could be a health issue. It could be a, it could be a relational if issue with, with, a, with a parent or a child. It could be a, a, a something at work. It could, it could be a financial thing. But those things, how we deal with them now... Can, can, it, can it resolve itself to the point where I'm, I'm going to deal with it by violating uh, one of God's moral principles? Absolutely. The solution to a financial difficulty is not to rob a bank or, or the liquor store uh, down on uh, Second and Orange that happened this last week here in Coronado with a gun. Two guys walked in and robbed the place. Anyway, so yeah, it, 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 it can resolve down to that, but that, that's not what we're talking about. Uh, we're talking about uh, things that happen in our lives that are not necessarily going to lead us into moral failure. So there's a, there's a difference there. But listen to, what, uh, listen to how James writes this, because here he's dealing with that third category, I think. Uh, God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each of us... Okay, that's my translation. But each one is tempted when... By our own evil desires, we are dragged away and enticed. And then after it is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it gives birth uh, to death. Uh, yeah, and, and that's that. 
we see something, uh, we begin to fixate on it, and when we fixate it long enough, it works itself out into a reality in our lives. That's how sin works. It's a lure. It's a lure. It's out there. It's a shiny object, and we go, ooh, what's that? And we go and we begin to play with the lure a little bit, and then we get hooked. And then the next thing we know, we're on somebody's plate for dinner. Uh, I'm, I'm reminded of, actually, from the, uh, the beginning of Psalms, uh, the psalmist had this down. Listen to Psalm 1. Blessed, blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit at the seat of, mark, of, of mockers. Do you, do, you see how that, uh, do, you, do you see how that progression goes? Blessed is the one who does not walk. And that's where the, you're walking along, minding your own business, and someone comes alongside and, and, and starts throwing out these, uh, these ideas that are going to lead you in a direction that you know you ought to just keep on walking. But you don't. You kind of stop. Oh, tell me more. And you're drawn in, and you pull up a chair and say, tell me more. And the next thing you know, it's over. That's what he's talking about here. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived, brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. You see what time it is. We're having technical difficulties up here. God longs to give us good and perfect gifts. Coming from the Father of heavenly lights. And I love that image as well, the Father of heavenly lights. You know, the Bible tells us that, uh, uh, again, in, uh, in Psalm 8... O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Jump down to verse 3. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you have set in place, who are we that you are mindful of us? The Father of heavenly lights. If you jump over to Psalm 147, this is so cool. Psalm 147 says, praise the Lord. How good is it to sing praises to our God? How pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. That's our God. The father of heavenly lights who heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Those are the gifts that God gives to us. What does it mean to be a kind of first fruits of all he created? Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, talking about the resurrection, says, indeed, Christ has been raised from the dead as the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. 
The resurrection was what Paul preached. You can't have the resurrection without the cross. But it's the resurrection that gives us hope. It is the resurrection that reminds us that death is not a doorway, but a des- is not a destination, but a doorway. That there is something beyond. That we have something to look forward to beyond what we are experiencing here. And in part, what we are experiencing here on earth is shaping us for what is to come. But while we are being shaped here on earth, we can celebrate and live that abundant life that is marked by being a kind of first fruits for the rest of the world to see. What does that look like? What does it look like in our lives? Of course, we come back to the fruit of the Spirit. Who doesn't want to have a life that is filled with love? And how do we define love? What is our working definition for love? To will the good of another. Jesus said, I want you to love. I want you to love each other as I have loved you. I want you to go out there and love people. By your love, they will know you are my disciples. How did Jesus, how did Jesus love us? How did Jesus love the disciples? He got on his hands and his knees and he washed their feet. He poured out his life. He served them. He sacrificed for them. He served and he sacrificed for us. That our sin might be dealt with once and for all. That our relationship with God might be restored. It is the peace that we have with God that allows us to have peace within our own hearts. And it is peace that we have in our own hearts that allows us to be brokers of reconciliation and to be uh, 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 peacemakers. Another one of the Beatitudes, to be peacemakers in our communities. Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy. Consider it pure joy that our faith is being matured to love, to serve, and to sacrifice for others. Love, joy, peace, that peace of God that we have because we know that we are forgiven. We know that we are righteous. Love, joy, peace, patience. Okay, I'm working on that one. That's a challenge. But how how do we cultivate and develop patience unless we find ourselves in circumstances that demand us to be patient? The prayer, Lord, I want patience, and I want it right now. <laughs> it doesn't work. But we live in such a, 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 an instant gratification society. We, we, we want everything, and we want it when we want it. We want it now. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Do you know what it costs us to be kind to someone else? Nothing. You're absolutely right. It costs us nothing to be kind. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. To always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks for the reason of the hope that is within us, yet with gentleness and respect. And how can we do that? In and of ourselves, we cannot. But God has not left us as orphans. Jesus has not left us alone. He has given to us the Holy Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit that is God's agency at work within us. God himself indwelling us, our bodies becoming the temple, the very temple of God. We don't go to the temple to worship. We bring the temple with us as we worship. And we don't go to church because we are the church. 
When you walk out that door, you're still the church. And yes, it's hard. I know that. And, and yes, it, 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 it seems like in, in this day and age, we have fallen down the rabbit hole. And, and, uh, and, and right is wrong and wrong is right and good is evil and evil is good. And uh, it, it's, it, it's, enough to make, it's enough to make your head spin. Which is why it is so important for us to be grounded in the word of God. We talk about the external and internal authorities in our lives. And we, we looked at that when we, were, when we were going through the book of Hebrews. Each and every one of us have two external authorities in our lives and we have two internal authority in, authorities in our lives. And how do you prioritize those? The external authorities, the culture. And they are an authority in our, they have influence in our lives, whether we like it or not. Culture, advertising, music, movies, you name it, it's out there. There's a message trying to influence us. That's an authority. Where, what authority do you, do you give it? The other external authority we have in our life is the word of God. Knowing the word of God helps us to prioritize and understand the authorities in our communities and in our culture. The internal authorities, the internal authorities in our lives, our own conscience. I was talking with somebody re recently and I, I, I pulled this on, on, on this person they, when they said to me, oh, I'm, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. And I said, really? Uh, what does that mean? And, and so I went to this paradigm. I, says, I said, each of us has an internal authority. And ultimately, the person came out and said, well, I'm guided by my inner conscience. I go, my inner conscience would take me down a one-way street and over a cliff if I let it. I can't, I can't do that. But the Holy Spirit is also internal. So I, for internally, I give the Holy Spirit a higher priority over my conscience. Externally, I give the word of God a higher priority over the culture. And as we work those things together, we begin to, to get a view of the world that helps us to stand against the folly of our day. And those authorities, external and internal, are part of the good gifts that God has given to us. The, the, this is a good gift. And when we have this in a Abundance. I love the story about the, uh, the, the, the woman who uh, uh, hired a new housekeeper. And two days later, uh, or the, the, the next day, she, 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 had, she had a little area set up in her house where she did her uh, uh, daily devotions. And she went and the Bible was missing. And she, where, and she looked all over the house and she couldn't find the Bible. So finally, she went to the, the person that she just hired and she said, I, have you... Have you have you seen my Bible anywhere? I, I, I can't find it. And the, and, the, and the housekeeper smiled and walked over to the linen closet and pulled the Bible out from underneath some towels and said, here you go. And she goes, well, what was my Bible doing in the towels? And the, and, the, and the housekeeper said, well, when I go to work for somebody and I see that they have a Bible lying around, I like to just kind of put it away someplace and see how long it takes for them to realize it's gone. How long would it take for you to know that your Bible was gone? 
We have an abundance of good gifts. But there are also some white elephants that are snuck in there. And that's where we need to ask God to grant us the wisdom so that we can know what those white elephant gifts are. Because they're not funny. In the original intention of the king of Siam, those white elephants are given to us to destroy us. And we need to have the wisdom to discern the difference because there is an abundance of good gifts out there. And those good gifts help us to become who God has created us to be as we wear that crown of life, enjoying the abundant life that Jesus offers to those who believe. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. Gifts come into our lives each and every day. The challenge for us is to know whether they are good gifts or white elephant gifts. If you're wondering, ask. Ask God for the wisdom because he longs to lavish it upon us that we might receive his good gifts while rejecting the white elephant gifts. That living in the kingdom of God might be a reality for us right here and now. That's a charge that we accept with discipline, obedience, and loyalty as we seek to be followers of Christ. We gather to worship. We go forth to be the church and to serve our Lord and Savior.